Hello, everyone. This is John Byrne with Poets and Quants. You're listening to Business Casual, our weekly podcast with my co-host, Maria Wickvilla and Caroline Diarchy Edwards. Today, we're going to talk about faculty. You know, it's, it's something that MBA applicants rarely speak about. You know, you talk about admission standards, you talk about the jobs you get, you talk about the quality of the networking or the brand of the school, but really do you get to the heart of the academic experience, which is directly correlated to the quality of the faculty and the dedication commitment professors have to the MBA program to the students. This is a timely topic because this week, we are publishing our annual look at the world's 40 best under 40 business school professors. There is a very good representation of schools that are outside the United States and, in fact, are not well-known uh, schools that are highly ranked but have professors that are just stellar in every possible way. And I want to talk to both Maria and Caroline about their experiences in their MBA programs and what value the faculty actually added to not only the learning, but the student experience. And, and I know in my own life, professors who I have had have been incredibly instrumental. You know, I came from a working class background with no real role models, professional role models in my family. And so faculty that I have been lucky to have and have had taken interest in me, I found invaluable to my early thinking and my career. So, Caroline, I want you to I want you to take us back to your days at NCAD and you know g- recall a professor or two who really you think made a difference in how they made a difference. Sure, there's a lot of great professors at the top business schools, right? Like NCAD. So, so I'm a bit spoiled for choice. But I think something that stands out to me is when you get a professor who can turn a subject that could otherwise be quite dull into something that's absolutely fascinating. So, so one professor that stands out in my mind for that at INSEAD is David Young. So he's an accounting professor. He's won several awards for, for being an outstanding teacher on the MBA program. And, you know, I don't know how he does it. He's just got amazing delivery. He's funny. He engages people. Um, and he's got tremendous depth and breadth of knowledge. So, you know, he can pretty much handle any question. And and he's very good at, you know, just bringing in stories and anecdotes that bring it to life. So I, I really loved his classes, which I didn't expect to um, be thrilled about doing, right? I mean, I, I had done some accounting courses before I went to INSEAD. And so, you know, it wasn't something that I was excited or thought I particularly desperately needed. And and sometimes in those core courses, if you feel that you've got a background in that topic, then it's easy to sort of um, switch off a bit and feel unengaged. But I remember his classes very well. And, um, you know, it does help to, it helps you to absorb the knowledge when someone is able to bring a subject to life in that way. So he's someone who stands out to me as as really talented. And I think, you know, the sense of humor definitely helps in in, in sort of connecting with with an audience in a, in a business school environment. So um, he was he was very good at making it fun and interesting, which is not an easy task with accounting. Uh, not at all. And, you know, one of the uh, interesting aspects of choosing the best, I mean, we look at um, their research impact. 
Uh, but we do heavily weigh student opinion on their ability to communicate ideas effectively and to inspire students. And most of the professors have done exactly what you encountered at NCOT. They've taken a subject that they thought would be either a grind, a grueling <laughs> class, and suddenly these subjects come to life and they find themselves in, in some of the most inspiring classes they've ever been in. And it's in topics like not only accounting, as you mentioned, but the statistics in particular or finance uh, or business analytics. Uh, and an increasing number of people on this year's list are teaching new subjects like artificial intelligence, machine learning, sustainability, diversity and inclusion, and have been acclaimed for both their research and their ability in the class to translate those subjects into very actionable uh, takeaways in engaging and compelling ways. Now, Maria, you were at Harvard. Harvard is known to have fantastic professors who orchestrate really dynamic case discussions. Uh, do you recall one or two professors who had an impact on you? Well, I was also going to mention my accounting professor. So, hooray um, for accounting! <laughs> hooray for accounting! Well, we love accounting. It's, like I, it's, it's for the exact same reason, right? I I had taken an accounting class in undergrad that I thought was just the most horrific waste. Like it was just like memorizing this and debits and credits and when and I was like, oh, this is terrible. And so when I saw that accounting was required, I thought, oh no, this is going to be. I'm just going to have to grit my teeth and get through it. But we had this professor named. Um, Asis Martinez Jerez, who I think is now, he was at Notre Dame for a while, maybe now he's at Cornell. He, like to Caroline's point, he was, first of all, super funny, but he was able to like make me care about accounting and make me realize like, oh wait, this isn't just an exercise in memorization that I'm never going to use in the real world. Um, I think one of the things that he did, and this is something that I think the best professors always do, is they keep in mind the fact that they are teaching a room of very, very, very different people people who are coming in from all kinds of different backgrounds and people who are going out into the world into all kinds of different professions. And so they are able to explain things in a way so that anyone, even someone who's never seen a balance sheet before, can at least, you know, understand and follow along, but also not provide lessons or takeaways that are so specific that you think, well, when am I ever going to use this, <laughs> right? So he was able to give us lessons in Here's how accounting can actually be useful for any of you. And so I thought that that was really, I thought that was really, really great. Yeah, totally. And, and you know, the professors on the list are nominated. There are quite a few nominations. And then we look at, at their contributions in the world of research and their topic, what value they've added to, to the uh, topic that under discussion. And we heavily weigh a student opinion on the ability of a person to really communicate those ideas clearly and in an inspiring way in the classroom. So it's, it's, um, it's not just one or the other, it's both and both are really important, uh, of course, in the world of education. Now, I wonder from the two of you, how important is it for an applicant to think about the quality of the faculty in determining what school to apply to? And how do you do that, Caroline? Yeah, I think the, the quality of the faculty is important. Um, I think candidates shouldn't focus too much on, um, you know, the, the, the star professors. Often schools are famous for a handful of professors, right? 
And um, you shouldn't set your heart on getting into a class with those professors because they may or may not be teaching when you are taking that course, right? So you need to look at the quality overall rather than the, 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 the sort of the, the, the ones who are the, the best known professors and have the, the, the sort of best known reputation. But, you know, I, I think it's great if you can go to campus, um, sit in on some classes, look at which faculty are um, teaching in the, the subject areas that are particularly relevant for you. And, you know, if you know that you're going to be focusing on a specific um, subject area, then look at, uh, you know, if you're p- focusing on particular electives, look at who will be teaching that, look at their research, um, look at, you know, whether that's going to be something that's particularly relevant for you. So, yeah, the, the quality of faculty is important. I think that a mistake that candidates sometimes make is that, um, you know, I mentioned that sometimes they focus too much. People get caught up on on, you know, they want to study with this particular star professor. And it's very common to read the same names again and again in admissions essays, right? So they'll often be saying, I want to come to this school because, or I want to come to INSEAD, for example, because I want to study with Rennie Moborn and Chan Kim because they're so famous for Blue Ocean Strategy. And, um, you know, you read that hundreds of times when you're an admissions file reader in INSEAD. And so um, it, it's can look like a rather superficial knowledge of the school if um, if you're sort of regurgitating the same the same star names that that other um, candidates are, are focusing on. So if you're going to talk in your application about the faculty, then show that you've really done some genuine research and it links specifically to your interests and your career focus, and, and try to get beyond the most obvious names. Caroline, you make a good point there, because obviously people who go to Wharton may never even see Adam Grant except on his Twitter feed. Uh, and people who go to Harvard will hardly uh, go to class with Michael Porter. Uh, they'll see his building with his entire staff located, and he has a whole building dedicated to him and his work at the Harvard Business School. But they may never glimpse Michael Porter. Um, and it's often, you know, the on-herald unheralded uh, professors who, in fact, have the most impact, particularly on students. And, um, and those are the ones that tend to be on this list, in fact. Now, Maria, what's, what's your take on how an applicant should evaluate faculty? Um, I mean, it's often said that if you have a particular interest, for example, it's not a bad idea to contact the faculty in advance uh, and talk to them about their coursework, their research, uh, to see if, in fact, you're going to have some exposure to some faculty members in an area that you're deeply interested in. Yeah. So, so first of all, just to just to sort of to, to build on what Caroline was saying, I would look at like groups of professors, and I tell people to look at course offerings, like how many courses are offered in the thing that interests you. What is the name of the course? Like, if you can even see the syllabus online, which you often can. So an example I like to give a lot is healthcare, right? At some schools, they have a huge healthcare focus, but it's mostly on the payer and insurance system in the U.S. and navigating how do you, you know, if you're running a hospital or if you're running an insurance company versus at other schools that also have a healthcare concentration, it might be more about how do you launch a new biotech product? So those nuances, both of those schools will say, well, we have a great healthcare program, but once you start digging into the classes, you start to you start to see the differences. And so 
I, I don't, I would also not pin my hopes on one specific professor, right? Because as Caroline said, you, they might be on sabbatical, they might be on loan to another school for the year. And also, you know, in terms of courses, you don't get to take every course you want to take. So you have to sort of put in, you know, you get like a certain number of points or something that you allocate for, you know, you rank your classes that you want to take. And most people would either get into their first or second choice class, but you wouldn't get both. So even if both professors are at the school and they're both teaching, that doesn't mean that you're going to get to take those, those classes. So I, I also think another, another point I'd make is that I think sometimes some of the celebrity professors, you know, just because someone is really good at giving presentations at business conferences or, you know, has done some amazing research paper, that doesn't necessarily mean that they know how to teach very well. And so I would also, I would also avoid putting too much stock into their celebrity status in terms of they might know a lot, but they might not really know how to communicate it. Uh, in terms of mentioning it in your applications, yeah, I also, I, 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 I agree with everything Caroline said. Like, don't just, I mean, how long does it take to say, oh, look, oh, Adam Grant teaches at Wharton. <laughs> like, Young Me Moon's at HBS, which, by the way, Young Me Moon was one of the best professors I had. She's a marketing professor. She's incredible. But anyway, like, it, it's so easy to sort of quickly skim. And so it, it doesn't seem like, well, did you really do your research? So if you are going to mention a professor, go a little bit deeper into maybe the ones that aren't so famous and really tie in their research interests to what you, their very specific research interests into your very specific career career interests. Now, in terms of contacting them, it's interesting. I've, you know, I think some admissions officers at some schools are okay with it. I think it shows initiative and, you know, go-getter attitude. My personal take on it is that I, I don't, I don't, I just sort of feel like it, it's kind of a, a rude, it's not very respectful of their time, in my opinion. I think once you get into multiple schools, if you're already in the school, then sure, here's my, here's my career interest. I really want to do sustainability and, I don't know, water purification entrepreneurship. Like, yeah, let's talk. But I just feel like bothering a professor, because, I mean, let's be honest, like some people are, some people are never getting into business school, like some of these schools that they're targeting. So if I call up the famous professor at Stanford, but there's no way I'm getting into Stanford and I try to ask for like, oh, can I have a 15 minute conversation so that I can mention you in my essay? Like, I don't know. I just feel like you kind of wasted the professor's time. And <laughs> I really, that's, I really feel that way, but I do think that- They can always say get lost. Fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they can always just say get lost or, or not, or not respond. So yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe if you try it and a professor writes back, you should assume that they are okay with potentially wasting half an hour of their lives um, talking to you. But then I don't know. I would say if you're going to do that, then you really need to bring the goods, right? If you say, oh, I'm like, just a, I don't know, interested in water purification entrepreneurship, and I really want to talk to you because you've done research on that, and then I get on the phone with you as a professor and I'm like, so what have you done in this field? And you're like, nothing. I just, I read an article about it in Fast Company that seemed cool. And you're like, oh God, like, I think that would be especially frustrating for them. So I really <laughs> don't advise, that, but this is all very, you know, everyone's got their own different, sure. different uh, opinions on this sort of a thing. And yeah, Caroline, so, you yeah, agree? You know, yeah, I don't think you'll get very far if you try sort of just cold calling a professor because uh, they do get several inquiries, right? And they, you know, they're not going to have time to deal. But so you're, you're probably just not going to get a response, quite frankly. Um, 
But there are ways of learning more about the faculty and often schools will use the faculty in marketing events. So they may run masterclasses online, in person. So those give you great opportunities to, to hear the faculty and potentially engage with them. So I think it's it's better to, you know, look for events or look for opportunities when you're visiting a campus to to interact with faculty rather than just just reaching out to them in a in a sort of completely random fashion. <laughs> I, I, I just don't think you'd get get much um, get very far with that. So, I mean, when, when I was applying to INSEAD back in the uh, you know prehistoric times, I, I was lucky to be asked by a friend to come with me to a conference at the school, which was, um, which was about um, strategy and the Blue Ocean Strategy Professors, as I mentioned, Rene Moborn and Chan Kim were there. And that was super interesting. And, and I got the chance to sort of meet them and interact with them a bit. And so if you do have opportunities to, to attend some events or have some, you know, way like that to, to interact with faculty, then that's great. But otherwise, there's just so many candidates out there, and these these people are incredibly busy. So so don't don't be surprised if you try and reach out to them and you don't hear anything back. And you know what do you want to ask them as well? I mean, I think a lot of the questions that you may have, there are other people in the school whose job it is to answer your questions, right? So the schools have armies of of admissions and marketing staff whose job it is to respond to candidate inquiries and and answer any questions that you may have about the program. So that should be your first point of call, unless you've got a really good reason and some something relevant to, to share with a particular faculty member. Yep, good point. Now, I'm going to ask a question that may seem a little dumb, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How come in all the discussions that we have had about uh, the MBA and business school, we focus so little attention on the academic experience. And I'm thinking, you know, most applicants probably focus far too little uh, attention on the actual academic experience that's going to be at the heart of uh, their two-year or one-year time in an MBA program. Shouldn't we be thinking a little bit more about that? Yeah, I I mean, I've, I've definitely seen applications from candidates who are very focused on the networking. They're very focused on the their career, and they almost um, seem to forget that they're actually applying to an academic institution. And, you know, sometimes that can manifest itself as you're sort of being very dismissive of the academic requirements. And okay, you know, okay, my GPA wasn't great, and I flunked the GMAT, but hey, I mean, look at my fantastic career accomplishments, and look what I'm going to do after my after my MBA. And they get very short shrift, right, from, from the admissions committee, because you do need to thoroughly understand that you know these are very demanding academic programs and you're going to have to study hard and you need to show that you have the ability to do that and the motivation to do that so you know I, I think when people talk about the motivation for applying to school often they're focused on aspects that are related to their career and that's you know absolutely understandable because why are you paying so much money and investing so much in your education when it's so that you can advance in your career and 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 get some return on investment at the end of the day but i i definitely do see candidates who aren't fully aware of the fact that they are being evaluated not just on the professional accomplishments and professional goals but also 
you know, they are applying to academic institutions, which are to a large extent, um, you know, faculty play a very significant role in management and sometimes even in admissions decisions. And they want smart, you know, intellectual, academically engaged candidates joining the program, right? They want smart people in their classrooms who are going to study hard and um, and really get in, involved in in the projects and the debates and and so on, um, and not not just come for you know for for the for the networking opportunities and the recruitment opportunities. Maria, what's your take on this? I completely agree. I I often find myself telling, especially people who perhaps didn't have a stellar academic background, and also like I've taken the GMAT five times and I can't seem to get above a certain score, and it's so unfair that this means that I can't get into a, a, you know, a top program. And I tell people like the, the schools are not simply going after things like a high GMAT score out of a sense of vanity. Although I do think that there's, there's a little bit of that going on, but it's because they want to make sure that you're going to be able to keep up and contribute to their classroom environment. And I like to tell people like, they're not being mean about it. Like there is, it is not a good outcome for you to get into a program that moves at a faster pace than what you're comfortable with, or that, you know, covers, covers topics at a level of depth that maybe you're not interested in. So they're actually, in some cases, maybe doing you a favor if, you know, if you're not really looking for a highly academic, you know, experience, then maybe certain schools aren't best for you. I mean, you can get an amazing education, but one that is perhaps less quantitative uh, or less, work intensive at a different school. So, yeah, <laughs> it's still school, folks. <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, you know, I will ask readers to have a look at our um, top 40 under 40 professors of the year. Uh, if anything, whether you're going to a school that they're teaching at or not, I think you'll be inspired by their stories, what turns them on, their research interests, what makes them exceptional professors of business education. Uh, And I think it will just make your appetite uh, even greater for entering an MBA program and enjoying these incredibly brilliant people who have a lot to teach. This is John Byrne with Points and Quants. You've been listening to Business Casual, our weekly podcast. 